So I told so about a week, not today, but about a week ago, I sold my soul. You understand what I'm saying? And uh, ever since I sold my soul, I haven't been happy ever since. You know what I'm saying? Um. Hey, yo, man. Y'all ain't gotta believe me. It is what it is. I, I, like, I'm not even capping. It's because, listen, I had to do it. You understand what I'm saying? Because, like, I had to do it because I was trying to make it, like, you feel me? Like, <clears throat> And as if when I was, like, selling my soul, um, like, there was things that I could sacrifice about and stuff like that, and I sacrificed myself. I could have sacrificed anybody, but, like, but when you sell your soul, you got to sacrifice someone that you really love, and I sacrificed myself and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I did it. You know what I'm saying? Um. I couldn't do it with nobody that I love. The demon asked me, uh, are, you, are you sure you want to sacrifice yourself? You can sacrifice someone that you love? I said, nah. But when you sell your soul, you feel me? You gotta, you gotta, uh, it's not what how people say it is. You, you really gotta, like, you really gotta pick. You understand what I'm saying? And, 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 and you get anything you want. You get to be rich. You get to, you get to be, you get to have fortune. You get to, you get to have everything, everything you ever wanted. You feel me? But you can think I'm cap. I'm not tripping. I did it a week ago. I haven't been happy ever since. I've been having anxiety every single day. What did I wish for? To be famous. Uh -huh, and be rich. Hello, everyone. My name is Mimi Blue, and welcome to Human Dialectic. You know, this topic never gets old. I've been hearing about this idea of selling your soul for years, years since my early 20s. And it just never ceases to amaze me because. The machine will continue to always have an unlimited supply of people who want to be famous and want to be rich. It's never really about being rich. You can have wealth without fame, but many, many people want to be famous and rich. And it just it's, it, there's something very dark and sinister about it. Now, I'm already familiar with the music industry. So who you just heard was this up and coming rapper. I, I'm a little too old for the younger generation, but his name is Fly Soldier. I don't know. He He's from Florida. But the only reason why I played that clip is because it was circulating on the web. And the most important thing out of that is that he's he said that he sold his soul, but he's not happy. And there is a price when you do this, when you do business, conduct business with these, these conglomerates, these record labels that have been in the business in the industry for so long. They know how to uh, tap into your wants your desires, they know that you want what they can supply. And that is influence, 
wealth, and fame. But a lot of people don't realize that at the end of the day, there is a huge sacrifice that you need to make, whether that is on obviously your soul. He mentioned sacrificing somebody that he loved. That is a very common thing, especially when you hear about loved ones that pass away. I mean, I can give you examples. Jennifer Hudson, there were rumors that she had sacrificed her family when she sang the national anthem. I think it was like the night before, a couple nights before. Kanye West. Um, There there are many artists. Trust me. I just don't know off the top of my head. I just bring up those two because those are the more prominent ones. But uh, yeah, this topic is, is fascinating. But I also have done a lot of research on the music industry. I actually think that studying the music industry is very, very interesting to me. Just how the business is ran. There's also many layers to understanding the music industry. So there's actually being able to um, to be signed. And not everybody is signed. And as you may already know, it's not really about talent. There's always certain characteristics that record labels are uh, looking for. They're looking for a specific look. They're looking for a spe- like a your ability to say yes to everything. They're looking to see if you're coming from a broken home. That is key because they know that if you have parents, and this is probably more speaking from a child, but if you have family members who are willing to protect you, the record label will not have the ability to control you. So I just find it very fascinating about the music industry as a whole the 360 deals, which is really an entirely different episode to, to talk about because that in itself is, is like an hour long of so many artists coming around or coming out and saying that they don't own anything. They may appear to have a lot of money, but they don't have a lot of money. And I mean, prime example, Britney Spears has recently, she's been evaluated as being worth like 60 million. And now we know that her family has been leeching off of her, uh, her pretty much everything that she's earned to point to date, her finances, everything. She's not able to access her money. Well, I mean, now she's free. But all that money, all the money that she had accumulated through touring, through album sales, through um, promotions, through marketing, everything, campaigns that have that has all been sucked dry and she's now only worth $60 million, which is insane to me, but it's just a prime example of how these 360 deals, they control every aspect of your life. And then we even talk about music as a whole and music is a very, very powerful weapon because the industry is not looking to target older people. You know, there's a certain cutoff point. Let's just be real. It's it's more to grasp the younger generation, even though they may not have the money. They know that they are willing to convince their parents or guardian or whomever to purchase certain albums. I mean, now we're in the streaming world, so you may have a streaming platform and you are paying a service to hear that music. You may buy merchandise. You may see them on tour. I, it, again, it's it's such a fascinating dynamic 
But at the same time, there is a very dark theme to the music industry. And it just doesn't happen in the music industry. It happens in entertainment. It happens in corporations. It happens in military and government. You would be shocked about how pervasive this idea is of selling your soul. Because if you don't do it, you don't get to to go to the next level. There's always a gatekeeper that will test you and to see if you are willing to sell your soul for all of the the riches and the fame and you think that's going to make you happy. And if you're not willing to do it, peace out. You are not going to be eligible and it's a very tight-knit industry and your the word about you saying no will circulate. But for today's episode, I do want to explain in detail about this idea of selling your soul. I know people still think that it is a uh, majestic thing or it's something of fantasy. And it, it really isn't because when you think about how many people have been pumped through, I call it the machine, but through the music industry, think of the longevity of, of some of these artists. You only see a handful that last for many, many years. And there's a reason why. It's not because the music industry is tough. It is because it is seeped in a lot of evil. And and let me tell you, if you start to take a look at what is behind the curtain, it will make you sick and it will make you reevaluate if fame and money is really something that you want. And there's nothing wrong with earning money, but when you want millions or billions, it comes at a huge cost. And a lot of these artists end up either being drug addicts, alcoholics, having a lot of issues. I mean, we'll go through the list of some people who have left the industry and have devoted their life to Christianity. And they've been mocked by the public, but people don't even know what they went through. So that's what I want to explore. I think it's a it's an interesting topic, but at the same time, I still think a lot of people are not even aware of this idea. So I guess the question that we should really think about is, are you willing to exchange your soul for fame and money? Why do we as people feel the need to want this? And I don't know, maybe I can't envision myself wanting fame and money. Fame comes with its own set of baggage. Everybody knows who you are. And to some people, they want that. They want that uh, notoriety, I guess. But I don't think it's in that category. People want to be adored is, is how I see it. People want to be admired. People want to feel successful. So they tie success to fame and money. But I do believe that at the end of the day, there are many, many people who feel insecure with with themselves and who they are. And the only way to validate your self-worth is to become famous and to prove to the people who thought you weren't going to amount to anything that you actually, in fact, are worth something. You have talent and you uh, have busted your ass and you were able to 
get to a level of success that they would not be able to attain. So it's not really about proving your self-worth. For the majority of people, it's really about filling that gap of insecurity. That's just my assumption because there are many, many people that go to LA, for example, who want to who want to become an actor or an actress. They have big dreams. And I know somebody who is out there as well and he hears stories and he tries to stay away from these these house parties, which are very, very dangerous. I mean, you, I don't care if you are somebody who is very seasoned on the streets. You do not go to those house parties in L.A. Trust me, do not go to them. But so many people go to Hollywood having these aspirations and are, are going in blind And we know that with the Harvey Weinstein situation, there's the casting couch. But then there's this idea of what are you willing to put yourself through in order to become famous? And then you go down that path of selling your soul. So it's those insecurities. It's people who want to prove something or to give somebody in their past or many people in their past the middle finger. I mean, let's just be honest. Do we really think that the talent that we are seeing is really up to par? I mean, honestly, today's talent is very mediocre. I mean, I I would say that the pivotal point at which we shifted away from talent happened, I would say at the beginning of the, the millennium. So 2000, 2001 is when we started to see a shift away from talent and now more towards this empty music or if you have the look, but you may not necessarily need to uh, sing well. That's when I, I believe we started moving away from actually honoring gifts and talents. And it was just more of like a mass production of being able to market artists who looked or sounded exactly the same way and they had the same messaging. I mean, it was very, very mediocre. But I do believe that the music industry has always operated in this in this manner. But we've had artists who were very, very talented. I mean, you go back to the 50s, the 60s, all the way up to the 90s. People who were signed did have the ability to produce their music, to write their music, to... Um, sort of, I don't want to say they own their imaging, but they could, they can create their own craft. Uh, That was just the minimum. And then you had the music industry or the, the record label or the machine be able to put you through some type of personal development. And that's why you will see artists who will put out an album and then disappear for maybe a couple couple years. And there's a reason why. That's one reason why, but there are other sinister reasons why they disappear. But we we all enjoy humble beginnings. We all enjoy seeing somebody succeed, especially if they came from very, very uh, tough times or they had a very tough upbringing or if it seemed as if the obstacles were stacked against them. We all like those type of stories, but the music industry is just, it is such a vicious, vicious place, especially if you are 
a child star. And I feel so bad for the children that are put through the the industry, whether it's Hollywood or through music, because your parents ultimately decide if they want to sell you over to the record label. As a minor, you don't understand what you are getting yourself into. The only dream that you have is to be able to you know, show your talent to the entire world. You want to be able to, if you're if you're a musician, to sing. You want to tour. You want to meet fans. You want to feel as if the creativity and the art that you're bringing to the masses, it's not only worthy, but it's legendary. I mean, let's just put it bluntly. Every artist wants to become a legend. But as a child, you you don't know the ramifications of what your parents are putting you through. And back to that whole idea of selling your soul, parents need to sell their children out. I know that seems very, very difficult to comprehend. That is why you have situations like Taylor Swift. She was, I think she, I don't know if she was 13 or 14 when she got signed. Even though her parents, I think her father was a lawyer, he doesn't know anything about the music industry. He went in there blind. And so he signed a contract. And though we will talk about that again in another episode about the 360 deal, you sign your child's life away. Everything, the image, the responsibility of the child. The parents no longer own the child, which is very frightening. Everything gets sold to the record label. And that's why you see many artists who go to court uh, Jojo is an example. I don't know if you remember Jojo, but she was signed under Aaliyah's uncle's label. She was big, I think in like the mid, mid to late 2000s. But ultimately, she couldn't own her voice. And she had to, her mother had to take the, the record label to court because she was still a minor. Now, again, the mother didn't know what she was signing her daughter into. But that's just a prime example of how parents are, well, can I, can I generalize them? Parents are very uh, greedy because they want to have the child that's successful and they want to leech off of the, the child's success. We see that with Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber is, though he, he seems to, to be stable now, was a mess. And he got sold into the record uh, industry into that music industry when he was barely, I think even like 10 years old, he was, I mean, I could be wrong, but I know that he has been in, he's been singing since he was like 14, 13, 14 years old. So he was sold far, far, far younger than most people. But to kind of move on, like where does the origins of selling your soul come from? So there is this legend or tale, however you want to to categorize it, of Robert Johnson. So Robert Johnson was a blues player. He played the guitar, but he was not always that great. So he was an African-American who was in the South. He was a single parent and he became interested in playing the guitar. And he really admired blues players, but he just didn't have the skill set. So the legend is that after being kicked out of a blues bar, I believe, he went down to a crossroads right before midnight and was playing some music. 
And that is when he allegedly met up with the devil and the devil fine-tuned his guitar. And since then, Robert Johnson has essentially been one of the star blues players in that particular town. But then, of course, overall. So a lot of people question at that time, how did somebody become so skilled in something that he was so mediocre, barely mediocre in? And that's where that that legend starts. I know there are several songs that we've heard in the past about meeting up at a crossroads. That's where it derives from. But another thing about Robert Johnson is that he he died mysteriously at 27. And if you are in tune with music and its history, you know that there's something called the 27 Club, where you have very, very prominent or uh, famous artists that died at 27. And the interesting thing here is that when an artist dies at 27, it's kind of like they've they've had their initiation to become a legend. So Robert Johnson was the first one to set that that pattern. And then shortly after, you have Jimi Hendrix, who, by the way, even though the story was he died of a drug overdose, that's not really the case. It is stated that he wanted out of the music industry and he was not satisfied with what was happening and he was offed. See, that's the story that you are not familiar with. And Janis Joplin, who was really good friends with Jimi Hendrix, she found out what happened to him, what really happened to him. And she was going to come out and tell the public how he he really died and she was immediately offed as well. Again, this is something you're not going to find in the history books, but you're going to have to do a lot of research to know where all of this information is and what's what's true and what isn't. Because what you're being told by the media or by history is usually fabricated or uh, information is omitted or things are modified. Other Artists that died as part of the 27 Club, Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain, uh, Jim Morrison, all these people had a very common thing and they all wanted out of the industry. And of course, when you sell your soul, you can't just walk out. The idea here is that the machine gave you everything. The machine gave you fame, gave you influence, gave you money gave you access to anything that you wanted. But remember that they they know what goes on in the music industry. They know the deep, dark secrets that happen behind the scenes. So when you see the artist on stage and you are screaming and having a good time, you think, okay, this is great. I'm having a, the best time of my life. But what you don't see is what happens behind closed doors. What you don't see is the dark themes that happened. And I really don't know if I want to get into it. It is, I mean, this topic is something where you need to spray holy water on yourself and all around you, but it gets very, very dark. And that's why it's, I need to emphasize that because this type of thing is not a joke. It really isn't a joke. 
And that's why there's a lot of rituals and initiations that happen. Selling your soul is just the initiation phase. And then it continues to be more and more initiations. And you have to show your loyalty to the music industry, or in this case, the devil. You have to do more insidious things to prove that you're willing to stay in this business and keep your mouth shut. And again, this this happens at the Super Bowl. I mean, you see those type of uh, rituals. So at the Super Bowl, the halftime events, I know MTV is another place where there will, there will be many rituals performed. I mean, you have to look for certain symbols. If you're not familiar with the symbols, then it doesn't make any sense to you. So if you see checkerboards, if you see red and white and black, uh, that's what The weekend had his theme in the, in the last Super Bowl uh, event. I don't know if it was this past year. I mean, I don't pay attention to that, but I just know that he performed. I know Madonna is really big on this type of symbolism. She is very, very deep into rituals. And this is just them showing that, yes, I am going to to stay loyal and I uh, will always pay attention, always listen to my master. That is the truth. That is the tr- that is the absolute truth. And sometimes you also have to ask yourself, how does someone emerge so quickly in the music industry and yet exhibit barely any talent? And that's one of the reasons why, you guys. If if that person is willing to do whatever it takes through these sick rituals and these initiations, that is how they climb up the success ladder at the record label. It's not about talent anymore. It's about who is willing to fulfill the agenda for the record label without question. So now I wanted to just get into some celebrities who have admitted to this because I don't want to just play one clip and for me to keep talking and talking and and trying to convince you. I'm not here to convince you. I'm just here stating the facts and then maybe stating my own observation. But at the end of the day, you know, you are the consumer. And do you know what you are consuming? Do you know where the inspiration is coming from? So the first clip is of Katy Perry. Now, Katy Perry's team has been trying very hard to scrub the internet of these types of clips, especially when she talks about selling her her soul to the devil. But she's going to be the first clip that we're going to listen to. And here it is. Really well now, but didn't you release a CD like almost 10 years ago? Um, yeah, I mean, I released a gospel record when I was 15 um, because I grew up in, uh, you know, a household where all I ever did was listen to gospel music and my parents are both traveling ministers. And so I kind of sang about, you know, what was going on in my life at 15. And that's how I got introduced to the music industry. I swear I wanted to be like the Amy Grant of music. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't work out. And so I sold my soul to the devil. Okay, so you heard that. And you can see why her team is trying so hard to scrub that. But I was able to find it. Now, it's not just Katy Perry that has mentioned this. We know that other musicians have mentioned it. I'm going to play a clip from Bob Dylan. And then also there's another clip 
by the lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan. I absolutely loved the Smashing Pumpkins, but looking back, they had some very, very dark themes to them. So when you get older, you begin to realize like what you were really paying attention to. But regardless, I'm digressing, here are the clips. Why do you still do it? Why are you still out here? Well, it goes back to the destiny thing. I mean, I made a bargain with it, you know, a long time ago, and I'm holding up my hand. What was your bargain? To get where um, I am now. Should I ask who you made the bargain with? <laughs> with, 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 you know, with the chief, uh, chief commander. On this earth? <laughs> and on this earth, and then, uh, and then in a world we can't see. Yeah, the music business plays this Jedi mind trick on you, where the whole thing's set up to be rapacious and take advantage of your weakness. If you get success and you have leverage, they'll get out of your way because you're making them a lot of money. But the minute you're not making them as much money, then they step in and they start playing these Jedi mind tricks on you. We know what to do. You know, the public's going to forget about you. I mean, I've heard all these things like, you know, this kind of weird like, yeah, you're in the room, but, you know, we're the arbiter of whether you can stay in the room. They do these 360 deals where it's like, right. if you get a perfume deal, if you yeah. like your whole world, they we, own you. we own a piece of your whole world. And fame is such a great quotient in American life now that you can see where kids would trade fame and give and be willing to give away like the, the, the profit part. Look no further than the deals that the record labels cut with the streaming services. They got into ownership equity deals with the streaming services in an, in an, in a, in an arrangement for them to have an equity position. They agreed to very low rates for the artist's music. But as Spotify and the other streaming services raise up in their equity position, the labels benefit. So the labels pimped out their own artists to take a greater equity position in a rising business. So let's talk about those two clips really quickly because there's so many more that I want to play. And by now, you need to understand that this is not by coincidence. These artists are telling you what is happening without really out front telling you. So Bob Dylan mentioned that there is a creator of this world. And if you are one who is, I don't know, you don't have to be really familiar with the Bible, but you've heard these sayings that this is the devil's world, this is his playground, you know, he owns this world. That's really what Bob Dylan is trying to insinuate there. He's not coming out. And that when that interview was done, I think it was in the 2000s. So it was still something that would be quite controversial and out of this world. But I think this idea that there are uh, very dark thematic uh, themes, I, I should say, well, dark themes, or music is tailored to be very satanic. I mean, we saw what happened at Travis Scott's um, festival. People are now accepting the fact that they are being bombarded with these types of images. And then to Billy Corgan's point, Artists don't own anything. I know you see all these shows or images of their cribs or how many cars they have. Again, all of that is at an expense. And this would make so much more sense why artists don't make a lot of money when I break this down, uh, when I do an episode on 360 deals. Because the record label, let, so let's say you are an artist who built an organic following, you 
um, have a very loyal base and you have your own Instagram, own YouTube channel, there are, are certain sort of assets that you own. If you sign a deal with the record label, what many artists don't understand is that the record label is then going to inherit everything that you have built to that date to date. And people don't read the contract. They don't read the fine prints. And quite frankly, I mean, some people may hire attorneys, but a lot of these attorneys don't know how the music industry operates. So then you get a lot of artists. There was one artist recently who got pissed because he realized that his YouTube channel, he wasn't making any money. The money was going directly to the record label. And that's because he signed a deal, a 360 deal, where the record label will inherit all of the imaging that you have created, all of the artistry, everything that you've done to the point where you signed that deal. It's insane. I mean, we live in a world where you can create your own content. You don't need these old like legacy um, organizations to help have you like to help you have like an outreach, a global outreach. I mean, if you have great content and you know how to to identify a specific base, if you know how to craft your own music, if you know how to produce, if you know how to just speak, whatever it is, if you are talented and you're able to uh, target a specific audience and they, they're able to understand your messaging or whatever it is and it resonates with them, you don't need these organizations. But for some odd reason, people still feel that they need to work with labels or work with Hollywood or work with whomever to get them to the next level. And it's kind of like what Dave Chappelle said, or at least was implying, if you don't have a number, a figure in mind as to how much money you want to make and be satisfied, if somebody goes over that figure, then you know you better run. So here are additional clips. Uh, one is from Snooki. <laughs> I even called her Snooki. Snooki, if you remember who she is uh, from the... Jersey Shore. She mentions this in passing. I just found it to be very ironic that she mentioned it. And a couple other artists who have sort of regretted selling their soul. So here we go. Hello, my adorable, amazing fans. Um, I wanted to do this video to say thank you to um, all the support that you guys give me and my castmates in Jersey Shore. It's been a freaking ridiculous ride, and I hope it continues. But basically, you all know me as Snooki. But my name is Nicole freaking Polizzi, okay? And I'm a person, too. And that's all I wanted to say to you freaking weirdos. I'm a person, too. And, you know, I have feelings. And, yeah, you know Snooki, but you do not know Miss Nicole Polizzi. So I'm going to tell you who I am. Yes, I'm a party girl, and I like to have fun. Obviously, who doesn't? Like, seriously, let's be honest. I like to have fun, but also, before Jersey Shore, no one believes this when I say it, but I was a freaking, like, shy, shy girl. I was very shy. That's funny that I say it now, but I was really shy. Like, I was scared to even, like, go to the doctors, so... Anywho, 
Um, so yeah, I was going to school to be a vet tech, and I was into my studies, getting good grades, and you know what screwed it all up was this one guy, he broke my heart, and I was like, cool, thanks. I was like, now I have to do something pretty ridiculous and insane with my life, so why not sell my soul and go on Jersey Shore? That's what I did. And you know what? It's been awesome. I want to tell y'all I apologize and I'm sorry for what I'm about to say, but as far as this music stuff, I won't be doing this music stuff anymore. I started this because this was my dream and, you know, I wanted to make sure I could get me and my kids out the hood. This has always been my passion to rap. A while ago, I had signed a contract and I didn't know nothing about the business or, the, or, or, the, or this game out here. And just right now, I'm realizing that I signed my soul. I, I sold my soul to the devil. I signed myself to the devil. I don't even own myself no more. I don't, I sold my soul to the motherfucking devil and I done pray, I pray and I pray and I pray. You know, and it's just like, I don't know if God can get me out of this, you know, and it's just, it's just like to the point where I don't even know, like I can't, I just want to say I'm sorry to my fans. I know y'all love me. I know y'all believe in me, but I can't. I didn't know what I was doing back then and, and I lost passion. I, I don't even believe that I don't even believe in myself no more because of what I did. I did not know the game was like this. And I'm just ready to go back to school. I'm just ready to move away and go to school. I just want to tell everybody I'm sorry. Have fun and like just jam and like make some shit. Like, I haven't done that in maybe five years, feels like. It feels like that. I just feel like that. I don't, I, I feel like, yeah, I made my album, put it out. But that's like a requirement. Like, I had, I have to make that. Like, I had to make that album. You know what I mean? Not that I didn't enjoy doing it. But I, like, had to, I had to make that album. And just in between, and you want to know what the thing is? In between making all of these songs for this album, I'm doing all this other shit. I'm doing all this shit that I don't fucking want to do. I don't want to take fucking pictures. Like, yes, I have fun at photo with the idea. Like, planning a photo shoot is very fun. Like, capturing a concept, capturing a visual idea, like a... Something like that. I love fashion. I do. I really do. I love to dress up. I love all that shit. Do I want to do that shit because I have to? No. Sometimes I have to fucking do that shit. But no, I don't. No, I don't. But I feel, I feel pressured to do shit like that. I don't fucking want to do that. I want to be home. I want to play fucking... I want to make music. I want to play fucking video games. I want to be doing this shit. Like complaining online. I want to complain about other shit. I don't want to complain about this. So you heard those clips and there are many, many more. I mean, this spreads across all industries. It's even in, I mean, let's just talk about music. It's in every genre, including classical music, including Christian music. You'd be very shocked. Country music. We already talked about hip hop. R&B, rock, 
pop. It's everywhere. We talked about Hollywood. We know that this happens in sports as well and how you can tell it happens in sports. I mean, uh, we we talk about symbolism. And if somebody is holding the rock sign, if you know what I'm talking about, that typical rock sign, which really means the devil, it's the devil horns, or somebody is holding one on one hand against their eye and you can only see one eye. You see it everywhere, everywhere. And that just tells those who are in charge that these commodities, which is essentially what all of these artists, these athletes and so forth, that's what they are. They're commodities that they have have established their allegiance to them. And you can see that this is not a very glamorous thing. Every single one of these people that are are in this type of position of influence, they're made to make you believe that this is something that you want. Aside from them having to showcase their partial talent, they're here to convince the masses that this is something that you want. This even extends to YouTube and Instagram influencers. They are trying to sell the people who don't have knowledge about what's really going on this false dream. And a lot of these people are are miserable. They are completely miserable. They're not making enough money. They can't make their own decisions. They can't live alone because there's always somebody there. And I know that there's a question about how can these people, uh, how how come they're not able to get out of this? One, they can't get out. It's a done deal. They sign their name in blood. They can't get out. If they do try to get out, I told you that there are people who will end up dead. You will end up dying. They'll kill you. That's why this game is so dangerous. That's why we we heard about Whitney Houston, Paul Walker, Bernie Mac, Chris Benoit from WWE. All these people tried to get out and they ended up dead. That is the only outcome. You can't get your soul back. I just, I, I would like for people to know that this is, again, it's not a game, but it's also a very, very sinister industry. And these people are truly miserable, but you are seeing in in well, I should say on on award shows or uh, on their Instagram accounts or on magazines, they're there to sell you this idea because there needs to be an unlimited supply of people who want this, who aspire to do this. But trust me, your boring life, your boring life where you can make your own decisions and you can go wherever you want to. You may not have the finances for it, but at least you still have a soul. You still have your integrity intact. You still have character. You still have principle and foundations. I mean, hopefully more than what a lot of these celebrities have because they have nothing. They have absolutely nothing. No matter how much they try to convince you with all of the the fake cars that they they don't own or the homes that they they can't even pay off. I mean, how can somebody buy a $1 million home and they still can't afford to pay it off? That does not make any sense. But at the end of the day, it's a business. And if you recognize that it's a business that has a lot of deep closets with skeletons, that it is a high turnover rates, meaning a lot of artists come and go 
It's also the same thing in other industries. People come and go because this idea of selling your soul, you you sell it for a moment and you think you are going to have the best time of your life and it ends up being a disaster. And a lot of these situations happen when you're much younger and you just aspire to be famous. It's the only thing that you want is to be famous. And then that really, again, boils down to your insecurity. But when you get older, when you have responsibilities, when you have kids, when you begin to settle down, that's when you begin to realize the mistake that you made. Some people realize it pretty soon and pretty early on, but others try to soak in the the experience, the moment and to numb what's going on, look at Madonna. Madonna, I'm sorry to say this, is washed up. She looks washed up. She doesn't know what to do. But the funny thing is she has been going on Instagram and in some cases has been wondering why she even chose that occupation. She questions why she even pursued singing. And that's coming from somebody who's been in the business for well over 30 years. So if somebody like Madonna may contemplate the idea that she may have regrets, what makes you think that you're not going to have any regrets? All I'm saying is that you have certain gifts and talents that don't require a record label. They don't require a machine to push you through. Not everybody is going to attain global success on their own. And that's fine. But you just need to understand what you are satisfied with. Do not look for love or admiration externally. You really need to focus on the things internally because the record labels and everybody else, they are predators and they try and find people who are weak, people who have low self-esteem. And that is who they prey on because they know that they can control you. So build that self-confidence. You are special. And be mindful of who you're listening to, what they're saying, because sometimes they do have in the music encoded messages and they may be trying to scream for help. But at the same time, I don't think there's anything that anybody can do except for themselves. And when I say themselves, I'm talking about the artists. So for you, just... Be very vigilant about what's going on and change your your views on what success means to you because it is really, really a dark industry. I keep emphasizing that, but I one day will go into the details as to how dark it is and it will almost make you want to cry to a point where you you can't imagine that something can can be so evil, this evil. So anyway, I hope you guys learned something new and uh, definitely will come come through with some more episodes about the music industry. But uh, hope this one went well for you. It definitely went well for me. And I'll talk to you guys soon.